Amen. Well, today is the final message in the pursuit of presence. Now, if you just showed up, that's okay. Uh, I'll try my best to catch you up. But we've been in this series for almost nine weeks, actually nine weeks to be exact. Um, And uh, I know that you might be wondering why in the world would you do a series for nine weeks? Here's the deal. We need more of God's presence. And I just want to keep repeating myself a little bit because the challenges that we face as human beings are never going to be fully resolved and restored and redeemed without his presence. And so let's continue to press in today for one more, one more message on the pursuit of God's presence. I want to start here with the series uh, verse from Psalm 84, verse 7. Listen to this. They, those are the people that go towards God, that are directed at God in their lives. They go from strength to strength, ever increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears in Zion. Now here's the thing. That phrase is what captured me for the, really the motivation for this entire series. This idea that you could live your life in such a way that you would never be depleted. Can you imagine? always increasing and ever ever increasing in victorious power. Can you imagine that? That's what this is all about. And so if you've missed any of the installments, go back and listen to those. But here's the point that really kind of captures it all, is everything that we need, everything that we need is found in God's presence. Now, I know that people are important, and God says people are important, and people are going to help us in our journey. But this is what I know. If you have people without God, you're in trouble. If you have God with people, you're doing good. You see what I'm saying? And and so you've got to have the main ingredient, which is the presence and power of God in your life. That is what is most essential. And so everything about this series is about making sure that we get more and more of his presence in our life. In, In kind of the ideas, in the thinking, in the practical, in every aspect of our life. And the other day I was meeting with my pastor, and, and it is true that I have a pastor. And you're like, wow, a pastor has a pastor. Yeah, it's like a neat thing. I think everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs somebody in their life that's loving them, knowing them, and challenging them. Because you're never going to get better if you don't have those things in your life. And so, so I was speaking with my pastor, and, and he said this phrase, and I thought it was just, you know when someone says something, you just kind of chew on it? That's what it was. He said this, two of my greatest kingdom friends are peace and joy. I like that. And then he goes on to say it this way. They are like the two wings of a plane. And that image, you know, like how an image just gets stuck in your head. That's what it was like for me. I started to think about a plane. And I started thinking about a plane without wings and a plane with one wing and a plane with two wings. And we know that if you don't have two, there's a problem. And so he was referring to peace and joy as being the two wings of his plane. I like that. Listen, listen to this. This is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Perhaps you've heard it, but Philippians is so full of such rich information and revelation from God. But listen to this. Always be full of joy. Always be full of joy. Joy in what? In the Lord. 
That preposition is important. Always be full of joy. I think sometimes we think we're full of joy, but we're not necessarily full of joy in the Lord. And so he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And then he says, and say it again, rejoice. So he's kind of doubling down on it. You get it? Joy, more joy. If you got the joy, shout the joy. If, you know what I'm saying. Like, in other words, you know that old adage, if it's, if it's in your heart, it'll show up on your face. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely Some of you think you have joy. Maybe you even have joy, but it never shows up on your face. And then watch this in Isaiah 55, verse 12. In God's presence, listen to this. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills were burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. And it's just that this, it's like almost like the sound of music in your life. You know, where she's running on that hill and she's singing, the hills are alive with the sound of music. I know, right? You didn't even know I can do musicals. But that's what's happening. It's like, the, it's like the hills and there's this song bursting forth. There's this imagery of, of, of God's presence that leads to joy and it leads to peace. It leads to the very things that we long for in our lives. And he says they're his two greatest kingdom friends. I need more of that in my life and I suspect you do as well. Because we know this is that in life we experience hardships. In life, we experience challenges and difficulties, some of which are caused in our life because of dumb choices we make. Some of it is because of other choices or that choices other people made. Sometimes it's just a general sin exists in the world and now I'm experiencing it. But there are all kinds of reasons that we suffer and experience hardships and hard times. You know, recently we celebrated the life of a guy named Rick Mathis. And Rick was a very dear friend of mine, but he was also just such a faithful follower of God. He died of cancer. And I remember when he was diagnosed with cancer, I, I remember you know, being grieved over that. Clearly, as a human being, when you hear that report, you're, I mean, it's devastating, you know. But one of the things that I always loved about Rick, even when he had hard days, even when he was struggling at a very deep level that probably most of us don't understand, he had this joy. He had some peace that transcended his circumstance. Come on. And we know what it looks like when we see it. And there's something that we all want from it. Like, don't you want that? Don't you want something that's more constant than your circumstance? Don't you want something that, that, that stays with you even in the hard times? Something that, 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 that gives you a foundation to stand on? I was with Rick on his deathbed. And even there, he was excited to see Jesus. 
And sometimes in our life we get so committed to the things of this world that we don't even want to be with God. And I, I just love that testimony of his life. And I, and I told people, I, I told him that I would tell his story. I would tell his story because he honored the Lord. And it's a witness to God's goodness, God's faith in us, God's character, God's ability to place things in us that we cannot place in ourselves. But here's the thing that happens sometimes in hard times that we've got to see is it seems to me, and I don't know if you're like this, but it seems to me that one of the first things to go is our peace. When you get the report or when you get the phone call or when you get the whatever it is, all of a sudden your peace goes out the window. It's like the first thing to go. And then you know what happens after that, right? Your peace goes. Then guess what goes? Your joy. It seems that peace leaves first and joy is second. And the next thing you know, you're experiencing anxieties and fears and worries and, and all kinds of things that God's saying, hey, hey, son. Hey, daughter. Get your eyes back on me. I haven't left you or forsaken you. Your joy and peace is not contained in your circumstance. Your joy and peace is found in the presence of God. See, that's the thing you've got to see. I mean, they're not contingent on your circumstance. Joy and peace, your kingdom friends, are not contingent on your circumstance. They are gifts from God. And if we will constantly and consistently pursue God and be obedient to what he calls us to do, he says he will impart joy and peace in our lives. And that's what we need. Now, if I asked you, if I asked you, hey, come with me to California and we're going to get on a plane. And we got to the airport and we were about to get on the plane and the plane had one wing. And I said to you, hey, it's fine. It's fine. It's a new plane. It's a new kind of plane. It's got one wing. It, it does fine. Now, it does go in circles a lot, but it's fine. You'd be like, no, I, I'm good. I, I mean, I've seen the movies. I, I, I know that you can't fly without that. And here's the thing. It's a package deal. They come together. If you have peace, you're going to have joy. See, that's the thing. They come together. You, you, God doesn't ever deliver a broken plane. God's never delivering you a plane with one wing. He gives you a plane with two wings so that you can do what? Fly. So that you can soar. See, that's the point we've got to get here is that it's a package deal. In other words, no wing, no fly. No wings, no fly. And I tell you what, in my life, if I don't have the wings of peace and joy, it's hard for me to fly. Isn't it hard for you to get out of bed some days if you don't have peace and joy? Of course it is. But when you have peace and joy that isn't found in your circumstance, it's found in the Lord that you can get out of bed. You can face anything. Pastor, this is really hard. I know it's hard, but you have the power of God in your life. That you don't ever have to wonder. When you get out of bed in the morning and you feel like you can't make it, you can make it. And the reason you can make it is not because of you, but because of him. See, that's the point that we've got to see. Is that God is the one that provides the gift. He's the one that gives us the two wings that we need to fly. It's like a bird. You ever seen a bird with one wing? They don't do so good. 
They flap around. You feel bad for them. They look wounded, don't they? God makes birds, and he made them with two wings so that they could fly. He made you to fly. And what happens is we let the world beat us up so much that our wings get clipped, and we never fly again. Let me ask you this. Do you think that that's what God's will and plan is for your life? That he would never fly again? Perhaps you've been wounded. Perhaps somebody clipped your wings. Perhaps you're functioning like an ostrich and you should be soaring like an eagle. Let me show you. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord, listen, will find new strength. Does it say those who trust in themselves, in their circumstance or situation, in their cancer, in their diagnosis, any of that? No, it doesn't say that. It says, it says those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Psalm 84, 7 says you will move from strength to strength. Got it? That's the thing that we've got to see. And then he says this, and this is the best part. You've probably got it on your wall somewhere. He says they will soar high on wings like eagles. Have you ever seen an eagle soar? It's almost like they don't even give any effort. Like, they, like up, at, up at our, our family has a cabin up north, and there's this eagle that hangs out on one of the trees right by the cabin. And he'll sit in his big old nest, and then when he wants to go get some food, he, he just kind of does this. He's like, and then he just goes. He doesn't even have to flap his wings anymore. He's just so good. He just, and just soars. Come on. Look, 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 look. Some of us are up there, man. And in life right now, you look like a hummingbird. You just, I mean, you're just trying to stay up. But God says, man, with me, do you see it? And it's the peace and the joy that lifts you. And I love this last part. It says, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Man, we need God's presence to soar, don't we? We need his peace. We need his joy to soar. And here's the thing that the Bible says. We have it. You can have it. Every day of your life, every moment of your life, you have it. It's never depleted. Come on. It's never depleted. It's always there. It's consistent. It's overflowing. It does never, it never needs to somehow go to the gas station and get filled up. It's always there. It won't come easy though. Because guess what? The entire world, because of sin, because of sin is working against you. It's working against you to experience exactly what God wants to give you. Sin in people, sin in yourself, sin in the world just in general. It's working against you. And so you got to give it at least, at least you got to give it one of those. Now, I'm not saying every day of your life you got to do this because you don't. 
But you at least got to give it one. You got to just give it, say, no. Right? When the world comes at you in situations, you don't have to say, no, 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 no. You just have to say, no. And the reason you do that is because you know the one that can take care of this situation, that can deal with that situation that you're in. And so I'm going to give you four things, real practical, four things, and then we'll be done that you might be able to keep your joy and peace in this life. And the first is this. you got to get in his presence. Come on. I've been saying it for nine weeks. You getting it now? You starting to get it? we got to get in his presence. we got to keep getting in his presence. Because, see, it's really hard. Come on, here, here, here. It's really hard to have turmoil when you're in the presence of God. It's really hard to have strife when you're in the presence of God. It's really hard to have tension when you're in the presence of God. It's really hard to have unforgiveness and anger and fear and bitterness in the presence of God. Because you know what God does? He shines a big old light on it. And he says, hey, boy. Hey, girl. Son. Daughter. I love you. And I'm so glad you're in the presence of God today. But there's a few things we need to talk about. Because I love you. And you told me that you want to get better. I remember you prayed the prayer. I'm here to help you. And see, what God does is he begins to reveal the things in us that are standing against the peace and the joy that he wants to bring into our lives. See, it's hard not to have peace and joy when you're in the presence of the one that made peace and joy. He is the deliverer. He is the maker of peace and joy. And that's what he brings to our life. And so it's hard to be in God's presence. So you got to get in his presence If you want to experience peace and joy, and here it is. Here, I'll give you three practical things. Turn on some worship music when you start fearing. When you start feeling turmoil, tension. When you you see your peace starting to leave or your joy starting to leave. Just turn on some worship music and begin to just sing. Begin to pray. Begin to just listen to the words. Uh, Just begin to read over the lyrics. I I love how some of my favorite worship songs are the ones that just take psalms and they set them to music. Because it's like you're, 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 you're actually singing the song. And it just gets in your head, you know. It just gets in your head. Here's, a, here's another one. When you find yourself feeling the peace and the joy of the Lord leaving you, just be silent for three minutes. Just sit there in silence. And just simply said, speak, Lord. Three minutes. At the beginning of a meeting where there's tension, Just give it three minutes. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Invite the Holy Spirit into the situation that you're dealing with. I've been reading a book lately just as a kind of a devotional. It's so good. But it's called A Hundred Days in the Secret Place. And You can pick it up and read it. It's a a great book. It it, it goes deeper. I find that in our world today, it seems like so much of our world is surfacey. Tweets and, 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 and commentaries and, and summaries and, and 140 characters. And there's just no depth anymore. And when that happens, I've got to reach deeper. I actually go back to the early church mothers and fathers. And I read their writings. You want to be encouraged? You go read some of that. Because they'll set you straight in Jesus' name. It's a great book, 100 Days in the Secret Place. I encourage you to read that. Here's another one. Just light a candle. You're like, what? That's weird, man. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a smelly candle. Just light a candle. You know why? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you. It reminds you again that Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. He's the light in your darkness. And every time you light that candle, you remember that. 
and you watch the peace of God and the joy of God begin to lift you high so that you can soar and do all the things that God's called you to do. Come on. Here's the second one. Second thing, four ways to keep our joy and peace. The second one is we've got to cast our cares on him. We've got to cast our cares on him, don't we? See, listen to this. Listen to what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. So we're casting all of those on God. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Come on. Do you notice he says casting the whole of your cares? I like to fish. Do you fish? Some of you like to fish. Some of you hate fishing. You think it's gross. I don't, whatever. But I'm assuming you've seen someone cast before. That's the imagery. Like, so you got your fears and your worries and your anxieties and all the things that you're concerned about. And what, what the Bible is saying is take those things, put them on a hook and throw them. Cast them. And the implication of this verse is that you don't have the ability to handle the burdens and the concerns that you're facing. You need God's power. And so you're casting them on the Lord and the Lord says, thank you, son. Thank you, daughter, that you're no longer picking these up. While you're over here straining, trying to get that thing up, God is just like, See, that's the image. We cast it out. We're casting it on the Lord and he receives it. We cast our burdens on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. He will sustain you, the Bible says. He will never allow, listen, he will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall. Come on, slip, fall, or fail. That's what the Bible says. My pastor literally tells me when I'm driving down the street, headed home after a long day's work, that you should roll down the window and cast out your cares at the top of your voice before you get home and mess up your wife and your kids with them. Cast them on the Lord. God, I'm so angry today. I really, that person really upsets me, Lord. I give them to you, Jesus. This situation with that person, they're struggling deeply. God, I give them to you. I can't heal them, but you can. And just say it. And people are going to be like, what is that person doing? It doesn't matter. They probably think you're singing Taylor Swift or something. (laughs) Just shout it out. There's something about releasing it to God. Just cast it out. Don't carry it. Two more and then I'm done. Number three is share your emotions with the Lord. I think sometimes we think the Lord is afraid of our emotions. I think we're afraid of our emotions sometimes. But I don't think God is afraid of our emotions. Because he made them. He made emotions. And I've always told you this. Emotions are indicators. They're indicators that God put in our life to help us know what's really going on inside us. They're there for a reason. Now, they're not there to sin with. Come on. The Bible says you can be angry, but don't sin in your anger. So, so there's a difference. So, so you can be angry. It's just what you do with it that matters. But I love this. David, you know David, King David, big warrior king, stud. Listen to this. In Psalm 69, 1 through 5, 
Save me, O God. This is big stud warrior king. Save me, O God, from the waters that have come up to my neck. They are threatening my life. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters where the floods are overwhelming me. Come on. He's expressing his emotions to God. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail with waiting, hopefully, for my God. He's longing for God to show up. Those who hate me without cause are more than the hairs on my head. That is a lot of enemies. Those who would cut off and destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, and many, or are many and mighty. He goes on, he says, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Oh God, you know my folly and blundering. My sins and my guilt are not hidden from you. And he's just, he's just pouring himself out to God. He's just expressing his heart. Oh, it's so good, but notice this. He's not doing it with other people. He's expressing his emotions to God. He's not expressing it across the table. The reason we get in danger as human beings is we give to people what we need to be giving to God. And when you give it horizontally, it creates pain, division, strife, difficulty, unforgiveness, all the things. You see what I'm getting at? He was expressing it to God because, see, God is the one that can hold it. God is the one that's not twisted or upset or he's not freaked out by it. He, he's not going to go over to this person and go over to this person and be like, hey, did you know what she said? And Oh, do you know what she said? No, you're not going to see any of that because, see, God just holds it. He holds it. And then I love this in Psalm 69. He keeps going. He doesn't stop there. He's not, God, it's just awful. It's awful because that's where we stop. We go to God. And we just, God, it's awful. It's awful. But then watch what he does. Psalm 69, 13 through 14. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable and opportune time. Come on. O God, in the multitude of your mercies and abundance of your loving kindness. That's that hesed, that loving kindness of God. Hear me. And in the truth and faithfulness of your salvation, answer me. Rescue me out of the mire. Let me not sink. Oh, God, let me be delivered from those who hate me and from out of the deep waters. Do you see where his hope is? He doesn't just express his emotions. While he's expressing his emotions, he places his hope where it belongs. In the one that can do something about it. In the one that can lift him high with joy and peace again. That's the one. See, the warrior king understood that it was okay to be emotional. It was okay to express his emotions. But he knew how to do it and do it properly. Number four, and then we're done. Work to keep a happy spirit and speak life over others and yourself. Now here, I need to say this. Joy comes from the Lord. It's eternal. It comes from Jesus. It's never depleted. But happiness is based on your circumstance. You've heard the word happenstance. That's where you get the words. 
They kind of go together. Happy is based in circumstance. So if things are good, you're happy. If things are bad, you're not happy. But here's the point I want to make. You can have joy. It's eternal. It's, 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 it's always available. But we also have to make an effort to keep our happiness in the middle of challenging times. So if, for example, you're experiencing a bad day, if you say, oh, it's a bad day, and it was a bad day, oh, woe is me, or, you, you know, Eeyore, you heard of that? You remember Eeyore? Oh, my life is so awful. Look, your life might be awful right now, but if you keep saying your life is awful over and over and over again, guess what? You're going to start to believe your life is awful, not just in a moment, but forever. Because the seeds you sow reap a harvest. The words you speak matter. And so we have to understand that it is our responsibility to keep a happy spirit, even though it's hard to do. We have to keep speaking that over our lives, over others, over ourselves, See, because see, you have to understand this. You can't underestimate your power to choose. God gave you the ability to choose. We used to say this in the mission field. You can choose today to have joy. While you're experiencing all of the challenges of being a missionary, you can choose joy today if you want to. You can choose to be flexible. You can choose to be teachable. You can choose to love. You can choose to be merciful. You can choose to be full of grace. You can choose these things, yes? And that's the point we've got to see, is that we have a choice to make. It doesn't mean that it's going to change everything, but it's going to change you. And when it changes you, all the other stuff begins to fall into place. Even in the hard times. See, you can choose to be happy. You can choose to speak words of life over yourself and others. You can choose that. Like right now, you're known as like somebody who's kind of a curmudgeon. Like if people are describe, hey, can you describe me? They'd be like, oh yeah, you're a curmudgeon. Every time I get around you, I just don't even want to be around you. You're just so negative. Now, they wouldn't say that to your face, but if you asked them, they might share it. You can change that. You can. That's what God is trying to get us to see, is that he's going to give you joy and peace in his presence. But there's some stuff you've got to do, too. You've got to keep yourself encouraged with life words, not death words. You've got to speak encourage over yourself and other people. You've got to begin to believe that God could do something great again in your situation. See, see, see we hold the power of life and death, right, in our words, the Bible says. That, 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 that those who indulge in that kind of thing, life or death, will receive a particular harvest. Matthew 12, 37 says this, For by your words you will be justified and acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned and sentenced. Do you see? It's your words that you speak. Look at this in Luke 6, 45. I love this. He says, The upright, honorable, intrinsically good man, out of the good treasure, come on, the good treasure stored in his heart produces what is upright, honorable, and intrinsically good. And then he contrasts it. Here it is. Listen. And the evil man, out of the evil stored up, brings forth, come on, look at this, that which is depraved, wicked, intrinsically evil. And then he just drops the mic on all of us. He says, For out of the abundance... 
overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, if it's in you, it's coming out of you. And you can say, I didn't mean it. I didn't know. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's fine. And you can apologize and we can all forgive. But you need to make sure you see that it came from somewhere. It came from somewhere. Matter of fact, it came from within. And what happens is we don't care for the purities of our own hearts. If we consume the world at a pace or a clip that's beyond God's anointing, what will happen is we'll start to speak words that are not God's words. We'll start to speak them over our life and we'll speak them over other people's lives. And you know what it brings? Death. And this is what I want to say to you. The Bible says that the man or woman that receives the wisdom of God and applies it rightly is wise. But the man or woman who receives the word of God, the wisdom of God, and doesn't apply it rightly, but it makes excuses and blames and never takes responsibility, the Bible would call you a fool. There are three kinds of people in the Bible. Wise people, foolish people, and evil people. And I know it's your heart, all of you, to be wise people. So don't make excuses. Don't blame. Accept it. Face it. With God's power, move towards God. Repent of whatever you need to repent and allow God to bring joy and peace back into your life. Come on. So here's the question I have for you. What kind of words are you speaking over yourself? What kind of words are you speaking over yourself? And what kind of harvest are you receiving? It's not hard to figure that out sometimes, guys. And here's the other one. What kind of words are you speaking over other people? If we don't do this right, we will reap a harvest of death. But if we do it right, we'll reap a harvest of life, of peace and joy and all the things that God wants to give us. Come on. Guys, we need his presence, don't we? Don't you want peace? Yes. Don't you want joy? Of course you do. You got to get his presence. And when you get his presence, you get everything. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much just for your presence. We give you honor and praise and glory, Jesus. Father, I know there are people in this room that are just hanging on. You don't have peace today and you don't have joy. I just want to pray for you, Lord Jesus. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that any uh, chaos, turmoil, brokenness, strife would be broken off of the lives of your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray it. Just tell him, say, Lord, I need it. 
I've been trying to do it my own way. I need your help. And so I surrender today. I repent. I ask your forgiveness. I want to get right. I need your help, God. I'm casting my cares on you. I know I can't do it without you. And so, Lord, I ask for your help today. Forgive me. I reach for you. I'm moving in your direction. And I receive the strength of strength life that you want to bring me. The Bible says that we should cast our cares on God. The reason we cast our cares on God is because He can handle it. He's the solution. Jesus Christ came into this world to be the solution to your problem. I don't know if you know that, but the Bible says that you were separated from God. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, he restores you back to God if you want that. And so here's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus was born as a baby and he grew into a man. He did ministry for a while. And when he was 33 years old, he went to a cross and he died on that cross for you so that you might be restored back to God. He was taken down off of that cross, put in a tomb, and three days later he beat sin and he beat death. And as a result, he created a bridge back to a heavenly father that loves you. And the question becomes, is that your story? The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that it's true, that he'll come in and he'll save you and he'll set you free. And so I don't know if that's your story, but I want to pray for you. And so today, if you're here today and, you, and you're just like, I got to get this right. I don't have a relationship with Jesus like I should or I've never done this. I, I, I want that. Whether you're here in person or online, I want to lead you in a prayer today. And so church, let's all pray together. Nobody's praying alone. Intercessors just begin to pray. People are coming into the kingdom today. And so let's pray together. If this is you, just mean it in your heart. Heavenly Father, I need you. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Spirit? Change me from the inside out. I surrender my life to you today. Be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose this day. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? Oh, it's so good. Love it, love it, love it, love it.